Welcome to Whatcom New Life Assembly's Sermon of the Week, where, as always, it's all good news. For more info on how to get involved in our church or to partner with our ministry, please visit us at whatcomnewlifeassembly.org. So we are entered into December. We are full, full-fledged into the green, red, and white, which are the official Christmas colors. Um, I'm not sure what these white lights are all about, but we are going to be in a series called The Glory Shown, because shine did wasn't as good of a word. You know, I tried to think of a better word than shown, but it's just, that's the proper English. And, and this is really the heart of what we are talking about today. I mean, some of us, we can get so busy and overwhelmed, and, and, uh, and uh, Christmas is just lost all its meaning, and it's so commercialized, and blah, 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 blah. I don't even see Jesus in these traditions anymore. Well, you're gonna. <laughs> Open your eyes. Jesus is being declared so strongly. His light is blasting, blasting forth. And it has been for over 2,000 years. And it's maybe, maybe if you're not seeing it, it's not an outward problem, it's an inward problem. And, and so I'm praying that, that the, through the course of this month, as we continue into this series, that our perspectives and our joy would refocus to where it's supposed to be. You know... Um, you, you think of, there are good Christians who are like, I can't, and we don't put up Christmas trees, and that's fine, you don't have to, because they're pagan. And everything, I'm telling you, a lot of what we do is pagan, folks. It's true. Pagan isn't just goat heads on spikes, all right? That's, that is a portion of paganism. Paganism is so much more than that. But like the Apostle Paul, who walked into the city, and he saw all these statues to gods, and he saw the one to the unknown God, and he said, this is the God I want to tell you about. I don't talk about this God because it... No, this is the one. And so what do we do to Christmas trees, which is a pagan thing? It was a pagan tradition to bring in an evergreen tree into your house. And, and, and what did we do? We brought it in, and we're like, okay, you see this thing? We're going to put lights on it because Jesus is the light of the world and his glory shone. So keep those trees up. (laughs) Understand, we are children of the light, all right? So you're not a pagan, I don't think, um, unless you are, and I'm glad you're here today. (laughs) But but do you know what the word pagan means? Because honestly, when I think, when I've always thought of pagan, it's goat heads on pikes and six-pointed stars or whatever. And certainly, to be sure, that's part of paganism, all right? Five points, excuse me. I'm glad we've got that straight. But the word pagan, we get it from two Latin words, paganus and pagus, which means a villager or rustic or the country folk. I'm not making fun of country folk, all right? I know. But th- that's, that's what it means. When you, when you think, oh, those, those people down in the bayou who just are ignorant, they don't know nothing about nobody. Well, it's pagan. It's, it, it, simply, it just simp- simply means ignorant. It means rustic and uh, from the Galilee, right? This is how the people thought of the people from the Galilee. Like, can anything, that, nothing good get them out of there. They're the country folk, all right? So pagan, when we're talking about pagan, it simply means to be ignorant, all right? But you see, 2,000 years ago, the glory shone round about us, and we were sore afraid, and that is what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. 
We never, ever, ever, ever have to walk in darkness a day in our life. But it is a choice to do this. You can, you, you can be fully saved and still walk around in darkness because you're, you're choosing not to let the light shine into areas of your life, bucket on your head, figuratively speaking, which makes you operating as a pagan in those areas of your life. Ignorant. Okay, let me just quickly, as we start out, destroy and crush our fun, all right? I want to crush our birthdays today. Do you realize that most of our, Chris, or excuse me, our birthday traditions are pagan in nature? Completely. So are you ready to have your life destroyed? It's, our, our birthdays are chock full of pagan rituals. And that's why when Christianity began to spread like a wildfire throughout Europe, you know what the church did? We banned birthdays. And we banned Christmas for a while because, uh, because of the pagan stuff surrounding it. Well, here's the problem. When you see the darkness and instead of bringing the light to it, you just, we're going to ban it. Nothing happens to the darkness. I'm not going to force somebody into the light by banning the darkness. I'm going to give somebody the light by bringing the light into the darkness and letting my light shine. Okay? So let me destroy your birthdays. First of all, let me ask you this. Raise your hand if in the last however many years of your life you were honored and celebrated and sung to and given a cake to blow out the candles with on your birthday. Raise your hands. What a bunch of pagans. I am so upset with you guys. Okay. I wanna, why do we do this? Why do we bring a cake with candles on it to the birthday boy or the birthday girl? Well, it has its roots in the pagan traditions of the ancient Romans and the ancient Greeks. They would bring cakes. They would bake cakes and bring them to the god or goddess that they were going to pray to. And they'd have candles on there to symbolize the moon. And when they blew out the candles, it symbolized their, their, their prayers to that god or goddess going up and in, in, in somehow secretly up there. Okay? Now, who knows this birthday tradition? Okay, make a wish. Don't tell anyone. Shh, or it won't come true. Come on. Why do we do, why, why is that a tradition? Where does that come from? Well, I bet you know by now it's a pagan thing. Because these people actually believed that, that uh, if you spoke the things out loud, the prayers out loud, now the evil spirits will come to counteract the good things in the, in the prayers. And they're super strong, so we go, shh, don't tell. You'll jinx it. Right? Now, we're going to sing loudly to you. Happy birthday. And it's a really quick song. Now, quick, blow out the candles fast. Because singing joyously, if you do it for too long, it attracts evil spirits. Because they're coming. There's a yin and a yang. And they have to counterbalance the good things that are happening on your birthday. And so don't sing it for too long. Shh. I think we fooled them. We totally got one over on them. Nice job. You blew those candles out quickly. Why do we, uh, who, uh, I hope this isn't a tradition for you, but birthday spankings, we've all heard of them, right? Here you go. How old are you? You're 80 today, Dale. Woo! Get up here. Happy birthday. All right. 80 spankings and then one for luck, right? Because as pagans, we believed 
that you cannot have too much good or it attracts bad to you. Right? And on your birthday, we're celebrating you and we're saying good things to you. And so we're going we're to hit you that many times so that the evil spirits are kept at bay. They're satisfied. And that one's just for good measure. <laughs> just to keep you humble. Listen, there are good people who still believe that we can't have too much fun. We can't be too joyous. We can't be too happy. We better keep our somber hat on because if we're too, if we're too joyous, you know, there's a yin and a yang. And if good times are, I can't even enjoy this good moment because bad times are coming. Because I know that it's going to be counterbalanced. Listen, if somebody ever talks that way to you, just go, That's paganism. That's ignorance. It's, it's darkness. It's dumbness, really. We serve a God who brings us from glory to glory to glory, who gives us a life that we never have to walk in the darkness. He wants, he wants to bless his children. In fact, I read this morning, I'm going to misquote it because I wasn't planning to bring this up, but I'm reading uh, in, in David's life again, and it says this, and David realized then why God had made him king because God wanted to bless the people of Israel. Because good things were happening, and, 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 and the nations around him were sending him gifts. And it says, and then he realized that's why God made him king. Because he wanted to bless his people. You realize that's who God is? He doesn't bless you. Oh, let's not bless Dan too much, or else Satan will have to get his share of Dan. No! Satan has no authority, no power, no light. He, he doesn't have the light. We have the light. Thinking anything different is paganism. So, no more pagan, paganisms or I'll give you two for luck, all right? Now, all of, the, all of my kids have birthdays in the next month. Poor family planning. But I'm telling you, we are going to have cake, and we're going to put candles on it. You're going to blow them out. We're going to sing to you. And it has nothing for me to do with evil spirits or anything. But what I can do, and what I can do now that I understand where those traditions are coming from, I can now bring Jesus into that. And say, hey, instead of let's make a wish, which wishes really don't, wishful thinking is wonderful, but what is more powerful than, hey, what are you praying for this year? Speak it out loud so I can agree with you. Amen. Is it not more powerful? Yeah. And now, what if, what if now we're going to lay hands, let's bless this for you. Let's pray, everyone here, just lay hands on our kid right now. We're just going to pray, this is, this is what their heart is. You've got a two-year-old, what, what is your prayer for them? Let's all do that. Happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you. We can bring light to the darkness. In fact, that's our very job. And that's our very pleasure to do so. Am I right? So, we are going to, over the next month, bring and, and, and restore light to its proper place. Can you say amen to that? Amen. We're going to bring true meaning back to this. In fact, the next four weeks, we're I want, it was either called the glory shown or Christmas lights. Glory shown just sounded better, all right? But I, but, but I want you to look at, and my goal is, literally, we have, I think it's four Sundays until Christmas, and my goal is, to, is that when you walk out of here, you're never going to look at Christmas lights again the same way. You're just going to see Jesus every time you see Christmas lights, right? And this is a tradition that we don't even have to redeem from the pagans because we invented it. 
Do you know that? Christmas lights, it was a, it was a, it was a Christian thing. In fact, the, 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 uh, the European Christians, they would display in their windowsills candles to tell everybody out there in the, at, at night that they were a Christian, God-believing, Jesus-loving family. And you're welcome to come in and, and praise him with us. Merry Christmas! That's where the Christmas lights got their start. And now we go to town! Right? We invented electricity! Woo! So we can make our house look like this. Nope. No, that's a house on fire. That's not what we want. Imagine. Oh, there we go. So here's the deal. We have people who don't even believe in Jesus slapping these things up on their house. But you know what they're saying? They're prof- in my opinion, they're prophetically saying, we are a Christian household. We acknowledge the name of Jesus, the Savior was born 2,000 years ago, and he's still alive. Amen. We are a Christian people. Oh, you can get excited about Christmas lights. I'm telling you, if your neighbors or your friends, they don't know Jesus, and they're putting Christmas lights up, just look at them and say, amen. They don't even know what's coming. They're praying something. They're declaring something. They don't even know it, but I'm saying amen to it. Now there's power there. We look at, we look at pagan things in our, in, in, our, in our culture or places that are supposed to be devoid of Jesus. Uh, if you throw up my next slide, please. You go to the, this top left one, the White House. They go all to town. The, the Capitol House in our society declares the birth of Jesus Christ, the glory shown roundabout. Amen. We are a Christian nation. Even if, we want to, if they don't acknowledge it anymore, we can say yes and amen to that. Yeah. Christian nation. We, we are a people in the United States of America who love Jesus and proclaim his birth, and we're going to keep doing that. Amen. My favorite place, Disneyland. They do Christmas lights like no one else. Yeah. Now, they're not trying to, to, to uh, praise the name of Jesus, but I can say amen to that. Oh, man, yes, Lord. Holy Spirit, ride out on these light waves and just show people who Jesus is. Why is there so much joy at Christmas? Because Jesus. Amen. What an opportunity. We got Starbucks up there. Should we even mention it? But they put Christmas lights up. Praise Jesus. You can call them holiday twinklers all you want or a holiday shrub. It's Christmas lights. And why? Because we started a tradition. This is a house that loves Jesus. Amen. Praise Jesus for Christmas lights. <laughs> New York City, go there at night in, in Christmas, and it just lit up like a Christmas tree. Oh. <laughs> all right, we need to move on. So we're talking about the glory shown. This is what happened the night Jesus was born. The glory shown roundabout. Amen? I want to quickly do a review. About a year and a half ago, we did a series. Um, it, it, was, it was called Creating with Light. And if you were here, we talked about light isn't just what you see. There, the light spectrum is, is just crazy. All the way down to nuclear physics and, and, and to the sun. But did you know, when you, when you read Genesis chapter 1, you read the creation account. In the beginning, God said, or, which means light. And there was light. Okay? And then, four days later, he made the sun. Right? I'm not kidding you. That like blew me away. It's like, okay, so he said light, and there was light, and that was the first day. On the fourth day, he, called, he created the sun, moon, and the stars. Light isn't our sun. It's, it is a reflection of light. It is a portion of light. Light, we know. In fact, I'm getting ahead of myself. So 
now we go to John, the book of John, the gospel of John about Jesus Christ, chapter 1, verse 1. Now we find out the mystery, that we get more to the picture. I told you that in the beginning God said light, and there was light. Now we get this, and this is the Christmas story according to John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all people. This light shines in the darkness, and darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He was a, a, as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light, the true light that gives light to everyone. There's a lot of light in here. Have you noticed that? He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, nor a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Just say amen to his word. Amen. Jesus, the light of the world. He was there at the beginning. Through him all things were made. And then 2000, we, we, we chose to walk in darkness for thousands of years. And then 2,000 years ago, his glory ripped out of that manger and shone roundabout, and it hasn't stopped shining for 2,000 plus years. This place is lit, folks. We walk in the light. That's where we get to be. The only time you walk in darkness is by your own choice. You, the light has never stopped. It's, it's blazing brighter than ever because there's more of you in the world. It's still shining. There's no reason to walk in pagan darkness. Now, this story is a bit long, but I, and I'll try to read quickly. But this is a story that I wrote. It's an, it's an allegory after my Black Friday shopping experience at Costco. It illustrates this point that I want to make today. And so uh, enjoy this story if you can. I hope so. A long time ago, a wealthy man built a glorious store. Let's call it Costco. He packed it full of amazing, wonderful things and placed his most precious creation in charge of the store, a man and a woman. All of this is yours, he told the man. All the samples, all of the clothes, all the white chocolate peppermint pretzels. Just one rule. Don't go into the back room of the warehouse because there's no way out. It's dark and it's locked from the outside. You can't get out unless, of course, you die. Now, the people loved Costco. It was awesome. But one Black Friday, an obnoxious shopper, probably Canadian, no, Sorry, it's in parentheses, I can take it out. I'm kidding, my wife's Canadian, so 
Amen. All right. An obnoxious shopper came into the store and confronted them. Hey, what's that in the back room? Oh, that room? We don't, we don't really know. There's so much to enjoy out here. Besides, we know we would die if we went in there and not be able to have any more amazing samples. Oh, really? The obnoxious shopper said. That's not true. I was actually around when uh, the warehouse was built, and that room is a fascinating room. It won't kill you. There are some things to sample back there that you haven't been able to sample out here. Plus, you've never been back there? I mean, what kind of a store manager are you? I'll tell you what. You two go back there and have a quick peek-see, and, uh, and I'll look after things out here in the store. It all made sense to the couple on a certain level, so they hesitantly agreed and opened the back door to just have a peek. I can't see anything, said the woman. I'm going to go in a bit further. You stay here and hold the door open. Okay, the man said. A few minutes later, the man heard the woman call out, Oh, yum, this sample is so good. It's different than the samples we have on the floor. And the man, without thinking, rushed in to try the sample for himself. She handed it to him, and as he took a big bite, he heard a click. And their hearts sank as they realized the door had just closed behind them. They rushed to the door and tried to open it, but it sent terrible pain down their, in their bodies whenever they touched it. Never, uh, and, but nevertheless, through the pain, they banged on until the pain was too much. And they screamed in terror as the darkness overwhelmed their senses, and panic overtook their existence for the first time, where peace and joy had once been. After sitting in the darkness for who knows how long, weeping and imagining what could be there with them in the dark, they heard a, a ringing in the corner and saw a candle flickering. They walked over and found a telephone there, and it rang again immediately, startling them. But after the initial shock, they answered, and the voice on the other end was the store owner. How is our store doing, you guys? They didn't know how to reply, so the man piped up, uh, Sir, uh, we actually don't really know. This woman tricked us into coming back here. How did she get you in here? Silence. You know the only way out is to die, said the store owner. Yes, said the man, but, but surely you can change that. I can't change the design of this building or this room because it was perfectly made. Unfortunately, the only one who can open this door is the new store, store, store manager that you just put in charge, and he has no intention of doing so because he likes you back here. The man and the woman wept again, but don't be afraid, said the owner. I have a plan. Stay by the phone. Stay here by the candle. I will never leave you. Well, they tried for a long time to stay by the phone, but curiosity kept getting the better of them, and they would constantly wander off in the back room and get lost in the darkness until the phone would ring again and they would find their way back to the small candle. Years and years went by, in fact, generations. The man and woman had kids who had kids who had kids, all born against their will in the dark back room, born breaking the one rule that they weren't supposed to break. But the generations grew up not knowing the full wonders of Costco and its warehouse. The store owner would often call them, and, and each time he would end their conversation with the phrase, don't be afraid, I have a plan, stay by the phone. Meanwhile, in the warehouse, the new manager had violated everything. He never refolded the sweaters and jeans on the shelves. He let the produce go bad, and worst of all, he never restocked the white chocolate peppermint pretzels. 
On another Black Friday, another customer came into the store, which was odd because the store hadn't actually seen a customer since the original man and woman went to the back room. This disturbed the evil manager. What are you doing back here? Who are you? The man said, well, my dad is actually the owner, and he built this place. Oh, really, said the evil manager. Well, you can't have it. It's mine. It was put in my charge. I have the keys, and I won't give it back. I know, said the son. How come you weren't born into the back room like everyone else, said the evil manager. It's because my dad isn't in that room. I haven't been in that room either. In fact, I'd really like to get my family out of there. The evil manager realized he had to get rid of this obnoxious new customer immediately. Ah, there's no way, he said, to, he said to the man. I'm the only one with the key to the back room. And then a plan came to him. But I'll tell you what. I'll give you the keys to that back room if you'll just go back in there yourself and then you can have full run of this place. The store owner's son looked at the evil manager. The only way you would get me into that room is to kill me and drag me there yourself. This infuriated the evil manager, and he screamed with rage, that can be arranged. And with that, he picked up the samples cart and hurled it directly on top of the store owner's son, effectively killing him. The evil manager slowly walked over and removed the samples cart. Could it have been that easy? He felt for a pulse, and sure enough, the son was dead. Ha! He grabbed the ankle of the crushed body of the son and started dragging it through the store toward the back room, leaving a streak of blood all over the floor, wherever he dragged the body. He pulled out his keys and opened the heavy door to the back room, and he drugged the body into the darkness, laughing. He dropped the ankle of the dead son, and as he did so, he heard a click. The evil manager's heart sank, and he ran to the door with keys in hand, screaming, feeling for a keyhole. Everyone in the darkroom was terrified, and it went on like that for three days. At the end of the third day, the tension in the room was unbearable, but all of a sudden, the entire back room filled with light, and everyone looked to the door, which had held them captive their entire lives, but the door was gone. In its place stood the owner's son, smiling. And they knew it was him because he looked just like the store owner that they remembered. The son stood there smiling and simply said, Come to me, call on my name, and walk freely into the Costco warehouse. Amen. The evil former manager screamed, I will never so much as mention your name, let alone come to you. I know, said the son, and you have no more power to enter Costco. No membership card, no keys, no name tag. And with that, the lights went back out, and the people all stood there in stunned silence. And then the phone rang again. Someone picked, picked up the phone over by the little candle and said, hello. It was the store owner's son. It's me. Come on out. Just walk to the door, call my name, and all of Costco is yours. I bought it back, and I want to share it all with you forever. But, but I thought the only way I could get out was dying, said the voice. Well, that's true, but I took the pain and the consequences of that death for you. Just come to the door, call my name, and die with me. At first the people were scared, 
But one by one, people would walk slowly toward the door, and as they did so, the evil former manager would scream, No, stay here, you'll die. It's good here. There's, there's no door, it's a lie. The samples back here are better. But one by one, as they went to the door and called the son's name, they walked freely through, not into a warehouse of rotten fruit and unfolded jeans, but perfectly bought back and redeemed and restored by the owner's son. And there they were free to enjoy any and everything on the shelves. And as each person left the back, black, dark room, a, little, a new little candle and a telephone would appear in the back darkness. And the phone would ring. And when somebody answered, the voice would say, come to the door, call out the son's name, and enjoy your redemption, the redemption of the store. It's so We have no reason to walk in pagan darkness and ignorance anymore. All of the warehouse is yours. Every glorious, good, and perfect gift is yours from the Father of lights. And he's given it to us to enjoy and to walk in redemption. And now his glory shines through us. The book, we're called a lot of different names. We've called ourselves things like Christians, believers, followers of the way, followers of Jesus. But there's another name that I like, and for the purposes of this month, I want to give it to you. In John 12, 36, we are called children of light. When you call on Jesus' name, yeah, you're a Christian, you can use it every name you want, but you are also given the title, child of the light. Amen. That's who you are. That's who you are called and anointed and freed out of the darkness to be. The whole warehouse is yours. You're fully lit. The darkness, the glory shone, and it still shines. And now, each week this month, I have a, a, a Christmas gift because I enjoy opening presents. But this is a gift from Jesus to welcome new life for this Christmas. Oh, I'll demonstrate how to properly open a gift. <sighs> no. <gasps> this is the very thing we wanted! Oh, how did you know? This light bulb <laughs> simply says, Matthew 5, 14 through 16. And this is the, the gift I want us to to know and believe and be instilled in us this Christmas. Because Jesus, he was, he was preaching a sermon. And we were there at the Mount of Beatitudes. There's this beautiful, uh, like half-dome, grassy slopes. Jesus had his back to the water, and they all sat there, overlooking the Sea of Galilee. And he said a lot of things, but one of the things he said, now we all know Jesus is the light of the world, right? He was there at the beginning, and then the glory shone on Christmas Day, and, look, and, and he is the light of the world, praise the Lord, but then he looks at all of these people that are coming to him, and he says this, you are the light of the world. Amen. Pointed at all 10,000 of them, no. You are a town built on a hill that cannot be hidden. 
Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. If you go to my next picture, this is a picture uh, from the Mount of Beatitudes overlooking the Sea of Galilee, and you'll see off in the distance the town of Tiberias, which is uh, the biggest city on the Sea of Galilee. This is at night, um, but Tiberias was there at the time of Christ. And as, as we read the, this when we were in Israel, I, I, sat, I just looked out over the water, and when we got to that, you're a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. Hey, there's Tiberias. You can't hide it. There's no way you could put a big tarp over Tiberias. It's there. You can pretend you're not the light, you can be, but it's there. You are the city on a hill. You are now the light of the world. And he says this, Don't, that they may see your good deeds or your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Wait a minute, Pastor. We're not saved by works. We're saved by faith. That's right. But other people are drawn to Jesus by your works. Not, and I'm not talking about, oh, heavy toil and labor. I am talking about your works glorifying Jesus in such a way that it is akin to strapping lights on your house and saying a Christian family lives here. Because everything I'm, I find to do, I'm going to do with all and give all glory to Jesus and do it with excellence, whether it's, it's digging ditches, whether it's, it's medical, whatever it is. My privilege is to be the light of the world in that. There was a guy that uh, we, we served with. He, uh, he, was, he was, wasn't eloquent. He couldn't stand up and talk in front of people. He was a little awkward. But you know what he did that confused me? He stacked chairs. Uh, if there was ever any service to be done, hey, can I help you on your vehicle? Can I you know, he, he was the one who stacked the chair, and I'd be like, why would you want to do that? But he did it with excellence and humility, and, and it showed me who Jesus was in a way that I didn't understand. What was that? He was letting his good deeds shine before men. He was just doing it as unto the Lord, and it glowed like a Christmas tree. Amen. I'm like, that's Jesus. That's exactly who Jesus is. You might have seen the movie Hidden Figures. Right? It's a story about these, uh, these ladies. Uh, they, they were brilliant mathematicians. Right? In fact, uh, Dorothy Vaughn, she calculated the projections of the rockets by hand. We have computers for all this now. But what the movie doesn't also talk about is that this lady loved Jesus. She was involved in missions, she was involved in music, and she glorified the name of Jesus. And I'm telling you, what did that do? So she's doing something with excellence. She's doing something beautifully, and I guarantee you, maybe we won't even know all the stories, but we'll be like, wow, that's amazing. She's like, hey, I guarantee you it gave her a platform to be, this is Jesus, this is, I love Jesus. Why don't you come love Jesus with me? You see, she was the light of the world, even in the simple things that she was doing. Well, it's not so simple. Yeah. That's why I got a computer. But I'm telling you, your good works, your serving, whatever it is, you do it with all, it is your platform now to glorify Jesus. Yes. You are the light of the world. You are a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. And, and, and there is a dark room that needs more candles lit. Because people don't know. And it's your good privilege to walk in the light as he is in the light. 
Tonight, I challenge you to go drive around your town and look at Christmas lights. And just say, oh, praise the Lord that they love Jesus. Praise the Lord that Starbucks loves Jesus. Praise the Lord. Oh, prophecy is everywhere. The light of the world. Pray that every time you see that. And, and I'm, I, I pray that as we move forward that you'll never look at Christmas. And we're just getting started. we got so much more. But I'm going to ask my ushers to come forward. And we're going to conclude today by taking communion together. The store owner's son who was crushed by the samples cart for my place. And as the, as the ushers are coming forward, there may be people here today that you've never, you've never confessed that name of Jesus and you've never allowed that light to enter into your life. Listen, when we take communion, that's exactly what we're celebrating. And we don't have anything, we don't close our communion off to you. The only thing we ask is that you have accepted Christ into your life, into your heart, and have become a child of the light. So before we do this, I'd just like you to bow your heads. Just a simple way to keep, uh, just keep this between you and the Lord. And this is your opportunity. If you want to, if you want to receive that salvation and enter in to the Costco warehouse that we call the world, of the world of the abundant life, just raise your hand right where you're at and I want to pray with you from up here. Amen. Amen. We've got some hands raised. Praise the Lord. We just want to confess the name of Jesus. And so if everybody would do this with me, just we're going to say a simple prayer. We're going to, you're going to repeat after me. And we say, Dear Jesus, I love you. I confess your name. Thank you for forgiving my sins. Thank you for cleansing me and letting me enter in to the full life, the full warehouse. <laughs> and we, if you prayed that prayer, we believe you were born again. You were, you have, you've become a son or a daughter of the light. Forgiven, justified, you are the light of the world now. Amen. And so as we pass out these elements, I just pray that this moment would be a time where the Lord just starts to speak to you and show you great opportunities for light bearing, for Christmas light bringing. And so ushers, if you'll come forward.
What good news. What tremendous news. The body that was crushed for me. I deserved it. I earned it. And I didn't receive it because it was taken by Jesus Christ, the light of the world. And so, Father, we remember this amazing gift that you've given us. The body of our Savior, Jesus Christ, broken on our behalf that we might live. And so we take this bread and remember what you did. Father, we also know that 
Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. And this should have been my blood poured out because I've sinned. I've fallen short of the glory. But by the blood of Jesus in the new covenant, I receive sonship. I receive restoration. I receive redemption. I receive justification. And the list goes on and on. I am justified fully in the sight of my God thanks to the blood of Jesus. And so we say amen. And thank you, Jesus, for your blood shed for us. And we take this together remembering what you did. Father, we love you so much. We don't fully understand how it is we get to be the light of the world, but we receive it. And Father, we thank you that you put us out there as cities on hills. You lead us into dark places, not because the darkness is so big and bad and scary, but the light in us is so much greater. And so, Father, may we shine our lights before men as we glorify the name of Jesus. And Lord, we give you every single part of our lives. And we choose to walk this day as children of light. In his name we pray. In the name of Jesus we say, amen. So do your homework and enjoy the Christmas lights. And declare the goodness of God. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. If you would like to partner with our ministry, please visit us at welcomenewlifeassembly.org.